This is CouncilCast, part of the Legal Talk Network, and I'm your host, Karen Conroy. When you face a complex case outside your expertise, you bring in a co-counsel for next-level results. When you want to engage, expand, and elevate your firm, you bring in a marketing co-counsel. In this podcast, I bring in marketing experts who each answer one big question to help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest. I'm Jason Rutel, founder and owner of Creative Nomads. We're an agency specializing in working with missions organizations and nonprofits, helping them establish their digital legitimacy, building their brand, the communication channels that they are connecting with their supporters, and helping them grow and, and extend their reach online. We love, we love working with people who are impacting change in the world. That's amazing. I love that, like, very... Do you like the word niche or niche? Because I feel like from Ooh. one person, one conversation to the next, everybody has a different approach on this. And then whenever I get to that word, I pause. So I love that narrow focus is what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have me to... doubting myself now because I was going to say it's niche, but like, there's no T. Right. Exactly. That's, that is exact, it's like people who say uh, height, height, or, you know, they Ooh. add, or no, it's not height. It's one of those words, and they add you, the T at the end. Well, I'm in, tech, no, I'm in Texas, so, you know, we draw things out a little bit longer over here. <laughs> but I was born in California, so, like, so, how do you pronounce things like fountain? Well, I grew up in Minnesota, so I add uh, a long O to everything. <laughs> but back to the, the point here <laughs> uh, is that you have a narrow focus, and you, you know exactly yes. who your clients are. And it's genius because you know who you're talking to, how to approach them, and the kind of people that you enjoy working with, too, like you said. So that is not actually what we're going to talk about, though, today. So thank you for being here. (laughs) Thank you. You have a specific focus, a narrow focus as well, right? Yes. And the audience is mostly lawyers. And so they're going to really appreciate this, like, long-winded, weird, windy road to getting to the topic here. But today, we're going to talk about trust and designing for trust and what you can do to encourage trust. Because as a lawyer, you trust is a big deal, really big deal. Like you need to start with trust and you need for people to trust what you're saying. And if you're saying one thing on your website and doing one other thing, or if your work is saying one thing and your website is saying something else, it's just a mess. And so we gotta make sure that it's all aligned, you're saying the right things, you're supporting all of your work and your expertise and all of that stuff. And you're not doing anything to mess it all up. So that's what we're going to talk about. The topic and the title for the show is Designing Trust, How Lawyers Can Build Credibility Through Website Design. <laughs> so I love it. Everyone needs trust. You yes, know, we do business honestly. with people we know, like, and trust. trust. Yes, absolutely. I mean, think about it. If you have this kind of ingrained gut reaction to having a conversation with someone where you're like, I just can't really put my finger on it, but I just don't trust what they're saying, you are instantly not open to anything that they're going to offer or have to say or suggestions or recommendations. So you can't, you can't really go anywhere with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and when people pick up that you're in like sales mode or something like that, like that can turn people off too. Yes. And so you have to, you have to use the right words to build that trust and the credibility, right? Yes. That's not going to just like put up walls. So let's start with that about this whole idea of sales mode, because so many lawyers don't like, they don't like the sales process. They don't like to think of themselves as sales people, even though they're running a business. And so a lot of times I'll talk to them about how it doesn't, it, it shouldn't feel like 
a whole sales process. So how, how do you recommend getting through those conversations, earning trust and having those, like we're, I'm going to call it sales conversations in air quotes without it feeling like that? Yeah. Well, I think people have to get past that misnomer of sales. Like we all have a picture in our head when we hear the word sales, it's the sleazy guy who sticks like trying to sell you snake oil. Yeah. In but that that's weird the wrong picture. Suit. It's like a corduroy suit. <laughs> it is. It totally yeah. is. It's yes. got a, that weird briefcase that nobody uses yeah. anymore. He's yeah. ready to open it up. It's probably yeah. has like snakeskin on the, on that. Right. And what is even in the briefcase? Cause like, we never get to see. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's so weird. I'm like, what, what, what is in there? Nothing and nothing. <laughs> and he sells it to you though. He does. Yes. And we buy it the first time, but never again. And then it ruins right. it for everybody else. Yes. And so that's the problem that people have with sales is that if we can reframe sales as we're solving problems for people. Yeah. And they're and it's exchanging value, right? Yes, You're yes. giving value to them. They're giving value back to you in the form of money. Right. That's all it is, right? Yes. And so if you can reframe it as you're adding value to them as a lawyer, as a legal professional, like they obviously need help. Like right. <laughs> you're the legal professional. You know that they're in a situation that they could get sued. They could be a, have a ton of ramifications. And so it's like your responsibility to add value to their life because without you, like, you know, they're going to be they're in trouble. a lot more trouble. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I feel like that's a great way to start because if you, every lawyer believes in their value or they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. And so to start out by saying, I am providing a value and you understand inherently right away when I say that what your value is, whether it's protecting their business, whether it's getting them out of a rough spot, whether it's planning for whatever, whatever that value is, like there's a million different definitions for what that means yeah. for each lawyer instead of it being, oh my gosh, I have to convince them to agree to this contract and a price and all of that stuff. Totally different feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you start out, you say, okay, I'm providing this value. Then you figure out the actual monetary value of the service and value that you're providing. And so where does storytelling come in? So when it comes, we'll just jump to website because that's what we're yeah. trying to talk to right here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for getting to the point. <laughs> How do we tell a story on a website? Yes. And one of the big mistakes just out the gate is the is the perspective that should be taken on a website. So often we, we and probably happens a lot for lawyers, is you'll just talk about how many years of experience you have. Yes. Right? I've, you've been doing entertainment law for 25 years and done X, Y, and Z. And while that's great for authority, we don't really want to have your like full biography history out the gate because that's not super interesting to me. And I don't really know if you helped my problem yet. Right. And so instead of taking perspective of talking about yourself, the first thing you have to do is capture the visitor's attention, your customer, your client's attention by speaking to them. You know, yep. what is it that they have a problem with? And so there's this whole framework from StoryBrand, Donald Miller, shout out to him. Yes. And it basically is saying that your customer is the hero of their own story. Yes. You're not the hero as the lawyer, which I don't know if that's going to push anybody. It's hard. Yeah. It's really hard for a lot of lawyers because I will say I've been doing this long enough that this in the beginning of the internet, this was not how we were doing things. In the beginning of the internet, websites were a big brochure. You know, and I yeah. literally would have firms send me a physical brochure in <laughs> the U.S. post office mail with a stamp on it and say, can you basically just scan this and make a website? I'm like, oh, my gosh. 
<laughs> so, yeah. you know, and back then that was a different thing. But now we are way more sophisticated. Your people are expecting different things out of your website. And so to present yourself in that same way as where we were at the beginning of the internet 20 plus years ago, it's, it's just not going to land well. It's not yeah. going to work well. And so you're going to have one of those websites that so many people come to me and say, my website doesn't do anything. It's not working. And it's like, well, is it the website? <laughs> or is it how your, your story? Is it the words? So, it exactly. Yeah. So to come back to this idea of story brand, you're, you start with the hero of your story, which is your potential client, your visitor to the website. Yeah, your and client has a problem. They're trying to get to a solution. How can you help them get there? Right. And I'm just going to do a little spoiler alert because where most lawyers are feeling uncomfortable is this idea of not talking about themselves. And, I, and we're not saying not to not talk about you. That will come up later. But yeah. it's just not step one, right? Yep. Okay. So number one, they're the hero. How do you start and where, let's just like talk about the homepage. How do you convey that they are that hero on your homepage? So first thing you could do is like images of your person that you serve. So let's just say you serve businesses. You'd want to see smiling, happy business people in that background of the hero shot, right? Like right. they're around a conference table and they're happy and they just shook and they had a deal, right? Yes. That's the picture you want to see. If you serve families, it would be like them sitting in an office, but like they're super happy and they like, they just got rescued from some legal situation. I don't know what that room looks like, but because <laughs> it's on. <laughs> But smiling, happy families, right? Because that's yes. who you're serving if you're right. doing like the, the interpersonal family stuff. Okay. So let's flip it around because I have a lot of examples for my next question. What do you not want to do in terms of that story? So let's talk. The example that I use all the time and I will pull up if, if necessary is in terms of like criminal defense lawyers. So what would you not want to do there? So... Here's the example. <laughs> I'll just kind of add the story in. So I had, this was years ago, I had two criminal defense lawyers in two different cities, one whose approach was to talk about what's at stake. This is what's at stake for you. And here is what the potential ramifications of your potential situation may be. And her situations were, were difficult, you know, a lot yeah. of really difficult things. Then this other guy who said, we're just going to go with images of handcuffs and police tape and like a, a police car with the like the lights <laughs> flashing. Lights. Yes. Yeah. So like your worst possible moment, like this yeah. is all that we're going to think about is your worst possible moment. And so guess which firm is still in business? <laughs> <laughs> Probably the what's at stake one. Right, exactly. Yeah, and so the second one very quickly went back to being a public defender and couldn't figure out why his website wasn't converting. And it's like, who wants to look at that? Who wants to look yeah. at handcuffs when they're <laughs> looking for you to rescue them from that situation? And yeah. so I just feel like you can, you know, even if you're not in that situation, you can instantly in your gut feel the difference of what that would feel like if you if you were and you're looking for someone to help you you don't want to be see police tape and handcuffs and you know all of the ugh, worst versus someone who's saying i get it i really know your situation i yeah, know how well, bad it could be and how i can help you from that 
Absolutely. And well, you have to have the stakes because it's like, think about a story. If there's, if nothing bad ever happens in a story, you wouldn't watch it. Right. right. Like it wouldn't be interesting. The hero always has to face a problem. Yes. But if it was just nonstop problems and he never got out of it and it, there was no resolution, it, it would be equally as bad. And yes. I love the description that like the negative parts of a website is kind of like salt in a recipe. Oh, like, it should just be just enough to add flavor. But yes. if you overdo it, the recipe is, te- is toast. Nasty. Yeah, just, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. It just instantly you're like, ew, like yuck. Yeah. yeah, I saw a quote one time where Harry Potter wouldn't be a good story without Voldemort. Like you have to have the bad guy, right? Like yeah. in every story, because otherwise it's like a romance novel. <laughs> like, who wants or, to the, read or the Dudleys in the beginning, right? Like you don't right. feel bad for Harry if he was raised in a good home. Right, exactly. Because then it's just like a children's no- I mean, that is sort of, a, okay, I'll leave that part away. But <laughs> anyway, you get my we point. We get the point. <laughs> Okay, so we've got the story, and we also have, like, what not to do. Like, you have to obviously talk about the issue at hand, but you have to tread lightly. And you have to kind of recognize that the goal in what you're saying with this story is to show that you get it, but at the same time, you can solve it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what else can you do on your homepage? And then how do we go into, like, the second step of... Okay, I'm, I present the story of the hero. What's the next thing that you do in order to really get them moving through your site in a trusting way? Yeah, so then it's in every good story, we'll think of like Luke Skywalker, right? Luke Skywalker is the hero, but he's kind of useless by himself. He's like growing up in some space farm and he has no <laughs> idea how to be a Jedi who yes. meets a, a guide, right? Yes. And his guide is Obi-Wan yep. and his other guide is Yoda later on. But yes. like those he's are like favorite. these these kick butt Jedi, right? They're the real people who can like, are the experts. They're unquestionably the experts. Yes. But the story is focused on Luke, right? That's that mindset in which your customers can be the hero and you be the expert. Yeah. And so that's where they need to know of like, the hero has run into a problem. Your client has run into Mm -hmm. a problem. This is what's at stake. Here's that negative piece who meets a guide. We understand. We understand the legal situation that you're in and this is the step process to get out of it. And that's where you give them a process like a one, two, three to get out. Yes. Now, when we initially met Yoda and Obi-Wan, we didn't hear about where they went to college. We didn't hear like their five million you know fraternal organizations that they were part of in college and every single legal brief they've ever done going back to 1982 like it was weird because i feel like i didn't hear all that like we just understood that yeah they were the expert so how do you convey that without going too far because what i say to people when they do that is that you are looking like a baby lawyer who is desperate for business so what we need to do is convey that you've got this expertise without without that level of desperation so how do you kind of convey that expertise yeah i think it's it's twofold one in the fact that you've now named their problem out the gate all of a sudden i understand that that person understands my problem so that builds expertise just in describing the problem of your client that's one but then two, like simplify the whole process like if you've done 20 years of experience in this spirit area of law and you've done you don't even have to say x amount of cases but like you could maybe name one or two that were maybe significant yes or you know milestone marker moments and then just say you have a 
master's degree or P, like whatever your degree is from X, Y, and Z, name it one time, you're good. Yes, like, exactly. Be eloquent and succinct because that's what they're looking to hire too. Like they don't want to come into a meeting with you and sit there for four hours and have you explain every subsection of the law. They want you to understand that so they don't have to. Yeah, because so, your hourly rate is expensive. Exactly. <laughs> and that's not the way to make the money is to like explain the law to your clients. Okay, so let's talk about like testimonials and reviews. Like where does that come in in terms of like trust and mistakes and best practices and all of that stuff in terms of testimonials and reviews? Yeah, I think it's super important, right? It's the social proof. It helps build the authority. It's the other side of it, right? You've got yes. your credentials and your certificates on one side. The other half of your building your reputation or trust would be social proof. It's like, I'm going to trust what Jeff, Susie, and Laura have said about this person more than you saying it out of your own mouth. Right. Yes. You can tell me all day that you're the best lawyer in the world for me. But if my friend that I under, that I trust says this is the best lawyer, I'm going to go with that. Right. Yeah. And I we do a lot of Google reviews because they're super authentic. Like you can see that yeah. it's a real user. You can tell you can also tell when they're fake, which is <laughs> such a bad idea. Like such a such a bad idea. I can't even tell you. Yeah. So have you seen have you seen or had clients that did fake reviews or come across um, them? Fortunately, I was able to convince them not to. Oh, okay. Uh, so they were like asking you like, hey, should I go just get a bunch of fake ones? Yeah, like, can I just write these myself? And they're like, yeah, that's not how this works. No, no. First of all, if it's a Google review, that you just can't. Like, it, it's not. It well, you could make your own users, right? Oh, but they, yes. they, Google has Google has a way of verifying. And yeah. you ever wonder, like, and you'll, my clients have had this problem where they've asked people to leave reviews and it doesn't show up. Yes. That's Google like saying that person's not real, even if they are a real person. Yeah. So it's like based on their Google activity. Yeah. I've had that happen on Yelp too, even more so. Yelp is, well, I don't know if it's any better now, but a few years ago it was very questionable. <laughs> Yelp would be interesting for lawyers, right? I, I don't feel like I would go to Yelp for lawyer reviews. No, this was a non-lawyer client, but yeah, it was years and years ago when I was just doing someone a favor. But yeah, Yelp is very... It is also very questionable for lawyers because it's where basically disgruntled people go to just like make up a, an account and then just complain and sort of vent out their frustrations. But it is something that should be monitored. Like if you, yeah. if that's a potential issue for you, like negative, you know, negative reviews it. is a good thing to bring up though, right? Like yes. those should be dealt with too. Yes, absolutely. You have to. So in whatever way, oftentimes you have no ability to take it down or no recourse, even if it's not real. So what do you recommend your clients do if, if they get a negative review? If they know it's completely not real, first you'd report that. But if it's yeah. like real and you know that person, like the best thing you can do is respond in a kind and generous way. Even like don't react, don't get aggressive back, don't try and defend yourself. Yeah. Like you, because everyone else like let's just say you're like oh man i got a three-star review and it's not five stars like as a user as a client we're like oh they're human like they made a mistake exactly how you respond is everything after yes. that yes 100 percent. i have seen studies that say 100 percent of five-star reviews is actually less trustworthy and believable than like a 4.8 or 4.9 because it's like okay everybody has that one that didn't go well or they made a mistake or it's just some you know it could just be like somebody who's just a little off their rocker whatever it might be 
that makes you a real business. You know, like until you've had somebody be unhappy in some way, they want to know how, you know, because especially for us and agencies, these projects are, can be massive. And, you know, there can be one little part that doesn't go the way they expected. You know, I've had that happen where they get frustrated because I asked them to pay their bill. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) how rude. (laughs) You didn't know this was coming, right? Like you agreed to this at the beginning. There was a weird signature at the bottom of that contract. And then I I asked for the money. Like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Fun part. Exactly. So, you know, that that's all of these things happen in every kind of normal business. And the way you react is everything. Okay. So let's see. What else? What else in terms of like, destroying or you know even things that are bad in terms of trust inconsistency in design is usually a flag like for me that either a they made it themselves b they paid someone overseas about 50 bucks to make their website (laughs) and or on fiverr yes or like it's just something that their cousin did you know that they did a favor for and so so, give me an example because i know what you mean but not everybody's gonna know what what do you mean by inconsistency in design more than so every rule exists and can be broken with skill but for anyone, like, this is just general rules that you should follow if you don't, if you're not a designer. Like, don't use more than two fonts on a website. Yes. Yes. Like, if you use more than two fonts and you don't know what you're doing, it's going to look like a circus. Like, a circus. It's yeah. just nuts. Like a yeah. fly, like a newspaper ad that has like six. Yeah, it's, it's what it's going to look horrible. like. It's horrible. Yeah. And, and then you want to make sure you're using high quality images. There's so many resources outside. Like, unsplash.com is yes. a great place to get copyright free, legally free to use, great for this subject here, right? Like the photographers have put them up there and said, use this for any commercial purposes, right? So you can get great images of happy, smiling people, families, business guys, and you can put that on your website and it looks like, well, a professional photographer took those pictures. Yes, yes. If you can't afford a real photographer. Exactly, as opposed to like the generic, years ago I wrote an article about like the five things not to use, five images not to use, uh, gavels, columns the lady with the headset um the the balancing the yeah exactly the scales of justice yes and i can't remember what the fifth one was i'll probably remember it in about in a few minutes but you know it's all those typical and also don't do your your photos your headshots against law books like just don't (laughs) like first of all most lawyers don't even use the law books anymore they're doing everything electronically let's hope that's you too so let's just not do that. Like you can th- be more creative than that, but yeah, quality imagery—that is for sure your first impression. So yeah. if you have some cheesy, you know, the other one that drives me nuts is skylines because this tells mm. me that you phoned it in. Like you had <laughs> no creativity. It's basically like, okay, I don't know what to say about my business or my law firm. So let's say our office is here in Cleveland. <laughs> so let's just go with the picture of Cleveland. I have nothing else. I mean, come on, you can say something. There should be something else. And if you can't, then hire someone who can put yeah. together a great message for you. And then the visual should align with that message, period. Like it should not be a skyline unless you are selling corporate office space or you know something That's that, great. you know. But let's please get rid of the skyline images. It's so yeah, just obvious and generic. It is. It, oh, here's one that will just completely destroy trust for me. That pet peeve is, is SSL. 
like the not secure yes. little like lockbox in the corner. Yes. Like you get there, we all get the warnings now. It says yep. this website is not secure. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> we all yeah. just want to run away. Exactly. And it used to be, so I still have some old school clients and people who will contact me. It used to be that that was only required on e-commerce sites, like if you were selling mm. t-shirts or something. But then slowly that just became an added level of security. So a lot of people who initially, you know, who aren't website people will come to me and say, I don't, I didn't think I ever needed that. I'm like, well, you know, 10 years ago, maybe not. <laughs> Actually, right. probably more than 10 years, but whenever that was that it transitioned over, at one point, you didn't necessarily need it, but now you do. You absolutely have to have the little lock up in the browser. I, I'm pointing at it, but you can't see my screen. <laughs> yeah, so. all of them. All of my windows, I think, have them right now. The other should, one for yeah. me is branded emails. Does yes. That, yes. How many? How many of your clients still have at Gmail or at Outlook or at? I have an AOL client. Yeah. <laughs> He's in Manhattan, and he does like business law and high stakes. And it's AOL, AOL. I mean, that's not even a company anymore. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Right. So like, let's say that you are just an older person and that is where your comfort is. You can still have it forwarded so that uh, yep. if you need to log into AOL because everything else freaks you out, that's fine. But you have to have like a forwarded masked email on top of that that yep. you can have as your public face of an email. Because instantly I'm like, I don't think you know what you're doing. Well, there's that. It's also a security issue. I was explaining this to one of my clients the other day is anybody can make an at AOL email or an yes. at Gmail email. It's free. I can go sign yes. up in five seconds and there's no right. security around it. But if it's at your URL, you have to prove that you own that URL by putting certain records in. Yes. Exactly. So it's a security thing. Nobody else can go make your at domain email address unless exactly. it's actually you. Right. Yeah. And so once again, another level of trust like i see that and i'm like oh okay they either know how to make emails or they know someone who can help them with that you know and it's this is basic basic like i'm building a business these are the kind of intro steps to making a business so the other one is that i was mentioning before we started recording is you got to just check your email your, your website from time to time i had someone send me an inquiry the other day and i of course go to their website to see okay first of all is this legit or is this you know some spam company and the first thing i notice is their blog is full of spam and like porn posts which indicates that they've been hacked and yeah. it's not just your website that's going to be impacted this is your domain this is your name this is and i don't know how long it's been Everything. like that it's so bad so you have to check these things and you should have automated scanners attached to your website that are checking them for you so that you get an alert when things go bad like that because it's really <laughs> bad it's really bad imagine if a potential client lands on your site and you've got like it was like you know, bad language, all that stuff. And you're a lawyer. Yeah. Like, you got to have that stuff. Yeah. You got to check it instantly. Like, it's an urgent problem to fix. So, Absolutely. yeah, set up those security issues that are scanning and double checking for these things. Um, that should be all of these things seem like no brainers, but I see them all the time. And I'm sure you do, too. Absolutely. I like, well, it's like you really need to have your website taken care of by some company who can take care of that for you. Because to be honest, how many of them want to go check their website every single day or even like that to check to see if their posts have been hacked? Right. But if that was in the hands of someone who was taking really good care of it, like you guys, 
then it's going to it's going to make sure that <laughs> shameless plug. <Yeah. laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's going to make sure that you've got all the firewalls and the security in place. It's going to prevent that. Like I got handed, and it's going to cost them way less way if less. it's already in your hands than if they bring it to you broken. Yeah. Right. Like I charge someone ten times the price because it's just it our up. hourly rate. Yeah. But if we were on our hosting care plan, it would be covered. Exactly. Because it would never get to that level. And I've yeah. had clean up things that go drag on for weeks and it's like so many hours of phone calls and cleaning things up and you know, it's such I hate doing that. But at the same time, I do love coming in and kind of rescuing rescuing a site that is in that kind of disaster mode. But you know you can help. Exactly. But it should never get to that point. And, yeah. and I mean, let's be honest. I am in my website all the time, but probably not every single day. And so I'm not going to go and check my own website because I know I don't need to. I know I've got things set up so that it's already being scanned and I'm going to get an urgent alert if there's something suspicious going on with the website. So that's how it should be, too. All Navigation. Right, how about the oh, top yes. of the website? I love this. Okay, this is good because this is not something everybody thinks about or recognizes as important. So, should you put every single page at the top? <laughs> yes! It should be like four-point <laughs> font, and they should be like super long titles, and it should be like... yeah, Everything. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Make sure all I, your bases are covered. You know, like all of them. Like even put the tab at the top for like your fraternity that you were a part of at the yes. top that we talked about earlier. Yes. Like just in case, you know, Kappa yeah. Beta Thigh comes in, you've got to make sure it's up there. Exactly. <laughs> Shout out to my so, bros. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so like for us, we're very, we're almost like brutal with our navigation pieces. Yeah. Like we'll put just three things up there sometimes. Yeah. And a big button. Yep. That is our primary call to action. Like we don't want 16 things because, so it's interesting, the reading pattern of us in America in the Western world is left to right. And then on a, like when you first get to a website, they're going to start in the top left corner. Usually that's your logo. Yep. You want to see your logo because I'm like, oh, I know where I'm at. Right. And then they're going to go across. They got to figure out if they're on a lawyer's website, if they're on a business website. So you want to have your name, get across, and they're going to read across all those words. And if they all look the same, if they're all the same font, and if there's 15 options, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. Yep. So it's like, if the first thing you want them to do is schedule a call, have a conversation with you, book a consultation, fill out a form, that's what should be in the top right corner right. Is, is that call to action. And yep. then they do a Z pattern. They scan across and then they go across again. And yes. so that's where you want to have your big headline, small little subtext maybe, repeat that call to action, and then across the bottom you can have some more, some more text outlining like your features and what sets you apart. I just want to underscore this whole little blurb right here because this eye pattern tracking stuff is so important. And I, I'm trying to remember when this was, maybe two years ago or so, I had a client who did not want to put their logo in the top left. And I went on and on and on. I got up on my soapbox. I you know, pointed to the articles. I said why it was a bad idea. I did not win the argument. Because it, at the end of the day, it's her website. We're going to do, you know, what she... And I can tell you the traffic on that website is not good. Because they land on it and they're like, "What? I don't understand. Like, that is yeah. not the first impression that you want people to have is, I, I'm not... 
I don't really get what's happening here. Where do I, what is, you know, like you, you don't want them to have this level of confusion and disorientation. You want them yeah. to just be familiar. This is the, you know, it, once again, this is trust. Like all of a sudden they're like, what? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Where do I go? Yes, that is not and, what you want to do. And the other challenge I think most people will face, and I run this in with a lot of clients, is when they're trying to serve multiple types of audiences, they don't know yeah. how to serve them all well. Yes. And I think you have to you have to scale it based upon who is willing to do the most work. Yeah. Meaning, oh, that's re good. Returning clients are willing to take one extra click. Yes. You can make them work a little bit more to get to their portal or something like that. But sure. if I'm a first time visitor, you better make it super easy and serve me first yep. before you serve your returning visitors and your returning clients because they're already familiar with who you are. Exactly. They already have a level of trust and understanding and familiarity and all of that stuff. Those other people are much more flighty. Like they're much more likely to go click over. Like I, I can't figure this out. I don't know even where the logo is. It, why is it down on the bottom of the page? I'm going to go over to this other website real quick because I'm this out. one feels better. Like I, I don't, I can't really explain it as the user, but it just like in my gut, I just, I, I don't get it. So I'm going over yeah. here. You got five seconds to capture their attention, build that trust and clearly convey that you can solve their problems. If you can't do that in five seconds, they're out. And I think it's really good to point that differentiation between the returning clients, because yes, your returning clients have the potential for more long-term revenue, yeah. but you've already got the trust. So you're, you're not needing to build that again on your homepage. They're gonna, like you said, they, they will take an extra second and scroll to the bottom if they need to, to find that pay, yeah. pay link or client portal, whatever that thing might be. But, but the people who don't have the trust, you got to get there first. So that's that's an awesome point. I appreciate that one. So navigation, keep it clean. Keep it as succinct yeah. as possible. One clear call to action. If you put in all those fraternity links, <laughs> all that garbage, <laughs> you are now giving them decision paralysis and you're yeah. overwhelming them. And once again, they're going to the next site. So you just can't do that. Like keep it nice and clean. And, and look yeah. around, look at these websites that have spent millions of dollars, major corporations, they do not have all of those links either. Yeah. So there's, there's a reason, we're not just doing it because you know it looks nice and it's pretty. All right, so it is time for the book review. So if, if you, the listener, have not recognized that we have this amazing library on the website, all of our guests recommend a great business book. Oftentimes it's related to whatever we're talking about. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's out of left field, which makes it more interesting sometimes. But I know you have a really good one, and it's kind of a throwback to what we were talking about earlier. So what yeah. is the book that you have today to recommend? Yeah, so I mentioned it earlier, and we've basically used some of the principles throughout this whole conversation. We use it in how we build our websites, our call to actions in a lot of ways. So it's super helpful. About It's all about if you confuse, you lose. And the book is called Marketing Made Simple. I love it. So Donald, by Donald Miller. And he's the author of Building a Story Brand. So he is like also. the godfather of story brand, which is this whole idea that you make your, like you were saying earlier, the making your potential client or visitor, whoever, the hero of the story. But this is like the follow-up, right? This is the more recent yeah. one? 
I have not read he's this got, one. So I'm... He's got a new one right after this one called Business Made Simple. He's His oh, goal nice. is to like replace M- online MBAs and make it accessible to everyone. Oh. But this one, it makes your marketing plan super accessible. Like literally everything we talked about for a homepage website, he talks about the different sections, like where to put a process in place, how to nice. have your value proposition, how to do what's at stake section. Like he breaks that down and like even gives you like sentences, like fill in the like ad libs, mad libs type nice. style. I love that. I love books like this that another one that's similar in my mind is Profit First, where it literally had like templates where you can, you know, where if if you're someone who kind of gets overwhelmed by the finances and all of that stuff and like, where do I even figure this out? And what's the right percentage of this? And Profit First is great for that because it literally has like formulas and templates and stuff and stuff like this where it has like the fill in the blank, like it's sort of like a Mad Libs for marketing. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) Like it seems so simplified, but it's so hard to make it that simple sometimes. That's awesome. Okay, so we will link that book in the show notes on the page and the library all over the place (laughs) so that everybody, you can't miss it. (laughs) You'd have to try hard to miss it. (laughs) All right. So Jason, what is one big takeaway that you'd like people to get from this episode? I would say like for us, your presence, your digital presence does matter. And I think for so many people, maybe these, uh, your audience who probably have had a website for a long time and it's just kind of something that I just had to have it as we're moving into this next generation it's like it really is this point of like it's your online calling card that represents your business and the level of intentionality and quality you put into that is what they're going to take away like branding is more than just your logo it's the entire experience your brand your company it's when a customer comes there and they experience is that they're going to judge your quality Yes. And unfortunately, you might be the best lawyer in the world and you'll probably still succeed, but when they go to your website, they're not going to they're not going to know it. They're not no. going to have that feeling. And the no. only way you're going to get business is word of mouth. <laughs> right, which is a bad marketing plan. I mean, like that's so many I'm sure a lot of people come to you and say the same thing like their whole marketing plan is I don't need to do any cuz I just am getting word of mouth and I'm like, "Well, you know, how can you plan for that? How do you know what next quarter is going to be? And how how does how is that not just being lazy? Because you're counting on the rest of the world or your network to provide your business for you. And listen, there's nothing wrong with getting referrals, but that should only yeah. be one slice of your marketing pie because it's not reliable and there's no plan in place. And so you really, if that is your whole plan, and I guaranteed many people who are listening right now that is their whole plan you're for sure missing out on a good chunk of business that you could have otherwise had if you were kind of doing things in the right way yeah and it's this other piece of like you so many of them they probably have like they care about the way they dress they care with the vehicle they show up in and it's like this is your digital presence online and this is the foot you're putting forward like people see that and it's like I, I when I first started, I used to my one of my pick, like, lines for business was have a website you're not embarrassed by. Yes, it was like when you hand someone your business card, you're not yep. afraid to say you're not you're not having to qualify like oh I made that URL like I made that website ten years ago just right. don't, just ignore that right right you don't or have handing, to say that anymore exactly handing someone your business card and, and there's an AOL address on there I mean <laughs> you know like I used to ha- hand out um, notepads when I went to events that said something to the effect I can't remember the exact wording but you are a great lawyer. Does your website know that? 
like, you know, does your website reflect how awesome yeah. you are and how good you are at what you're doing? And not just you, like that was sort of, that is sort of a dated version of what we, we've been talking about because it shouldn't just be about you, but it should convey that you solve those problems and do all the things that we were talking about to, you know, put out that, that level of trust that people are gonna understand just inherently when they come to your website. Yeah. And yeah. we want to know that if you, it's like how you do anything is how you do everything. Oh, I so. love that. That's a great quote. <laughs> we are definitely using that quote on the social media. <laughs> that was awesome. Okay. I feel like that's a perfect place to, to, to land because seriously, that is, that is trust right there. How, where I see one little piece of you, I'm going to assume that how you do that one thing is how you do everything. And that's, yeah. that's, that's people kind of understanding trust and, and feeling like they can trust you is if that one interaction and that one thing that they're seeing about you is good or garbage, right? Yeah. Awesome. All right. Jason Rudolph. Oh, gosh, I just totally, <laughs> Rudolph, I'm sorry, is the <laughs> founder and owner of Creative Nomads. Thank you. This was an awesome conversation. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun talking to you and we had so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate it if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.